Pulse Audio Podcast Network. Hello, Herstory Heroes, and welcome to a special episode where we're joined by an extra whiner today. Uh, this is Whining About Herstory, the women's history podcast where two longtime gal pals and today an extra one talk about women from history you probably haven't heard of. I'm Kelly. I'm Emily. And I'm Caitlin. Oh, that was a really good, know, sexy voice. You know, I have a little bit of a cold, and I think it's going to go it's in my face go well. today. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say, I love a good, sexy vocal fry. <laughs> like, it just sounds so breathy and sexy and sultry. We were literally just talking about, um, like... Sex a- AM- ASMR. Yeah, basically. yeah, sexy <laughs> ASMR. Uh, I guess there was a guy, he's an Australian named ASMR Daddy, who, like, reads porn, and it's very sexy, and people take care of themselves to it. And yeah. not emails, the not other emails. No. The other kind. Yeah. <laughs> so Caitlin is my sister-in-law. We have mentioned her before and she was in town. So here she is. I also used to swim with Caitlin in uh, high school. Hi guys. Yeah. We used to swim in the same lane. Lane eight. Yeah. <laughs> Were you guys like assigned lanes? It was like everyone went kind of like gravitated towards the same lane. It was like the first lane was JV. Yeah. And then like as slower you got, the farther out you got. <laughs> yeah. So. so we were like, I think there were only five lanes. We were like lane one, lane five solidly. Yeah. The whole time. Yeah. Like lane, lane one was JV yeah. and then we were the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> we were, we were the like still JV, but like should be varsity. I was varsity. <laughs> I got, I got my fucking varsity letters. Yeah, you can still swim JV and letter in varsity. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, I lettered in theater. There you go. Yeah. Or no, I lettered in cheerleading. I didn't. Le- I didn't letter in theater because in order to letter in theater, you have to be like captain. And my year, we had like twenty seniors, and so they like there's only like two captains. So like, see, I was captain my senior year, but we also only had four seniors, yeah. and there were three captains. <laughs> But I did let her in cheerleading because sure I was I briefly a you, captain. Though, that counts was, for anything. Yeah, I mean, it it felt like I didn't entirely earn it, but also <laughs> I was like, oh, thank God I wasn't the one senior. Yeah, right? Like, how embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was the year ahead of you, and yeah. there were like eight or nine seniors or something that mm-hmm. year. I was not a captain. And I'm okay with that. You were still awesome, though. I you know. were you were so fun to swim with. You were always like, Aww. "I got this! Yeah, let's do this! I'm gonna kick your ass!" You were very like competitive, and was I always I? like. I don't remember that. I, I felt like you were you I'm still kind of competitive. you pumped us up in the lane, though. You weren't like, "I'm gonna fuck all your mothers," competitive, but you were like, "Yeah, let's do this!" Let you know, <laughs> I'm here to swim. Let's just like yeah. get this shit done. I want to go home, so let's swim faster. <laughs> there you go. Love it. But yeah. Caitlin is in town. Uh, she is a friend of the podcast. She listens. She actually listens to us, you guys. And that blows my mind. I know. I'm honestly like, I'm a huge fan girl. I'm not going to lie. I love it. <laughs> well, we always love to have people who adore us on the podcast. So welcome. Check. And thank you. That's me. <laughs> also, Caitlin is going to be our uh, unofficial science correspondent. She is a nurse practitioner. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am. And I have a story that deals with some biology and nervous system stuff so Caitlin is here to tell me that I'm wrong so you don't have to (laughs) dear listeners I know this feels like pressure though all right well let's get started with our wine I I thought you were going to launch into your story for like two seconds and I was like Emily you forgot one of the most important parts of our podcast (laughs) it's like the first word yeah it's in the name it is what the pun is entirely constructed from it is so Plus, knowing the generality of what your story is about, I feel like I'm going to need some. You are. We're all going to need some wine because, yeah, I was I was talking with Caitlin a little bit about it before. And I was like, there's science, there's Nazis. It's it's a whole thing. It's like the whole trifecta. Yeah. Science, Nazis, and women. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> like, that, that's what a lot of our stories actually <laughs> come down to. <laughs> So we're a surprising amount of Nazis. Yeah. I'm like, get out of our fucking stories, you assholes. So we are revisiting our very dear, close, personal friend. I feel F. like it's Stephen almost been like every other week lately. <laughs> because I get a lot of his wine. So this is actually a little different. It's a black label winter Cabernet Sauvignon. 
Emily's fave. It the is. Cat, the cap's off anyways. Yeah, but it's very, it's seasonally appropriate. It is December. It is winter firmly has its claws dug into our skin and we are all slowly freezing to death. Hello. <laughs> so Not here. this week though. Yeah. No. <laughs> this week we almost got blown away. Yeah. 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 We had tornadoes in December. First ever. After a first 60 ever, degree day. Yeah. First ever recorded tornado in Minnesota in December. Neat. Yay. You know what was yeah. funny? I was thinking like, so I, I grew up in Illinois and like we, we had tornadoes. I had friends whose houses had been demolished by tornadoes. Like it was just a thing. And I moved here and I think maybe once or twice I've had to go to the basement to take shelter. Yep. Um, and so everyone's like making a big deal about the storm. Oh, there's going to be tornadoes. I'm like, this town doesn't really get tornadoes. And then I remembered the only reason we have St. Mary's Hospital is because of a devastating tornado in the 1800s that fucked people up so bad that the sisters of Assisi were like, we need like a proper hospital. And W.W. Mayo was like, if you get the money, I'll if staff you, it. If you build it, I will come. Yeah, basically. And there's literally a statue in town of them like shaking hands or whatever, yep. because she's like, challenge accepted, bitch. And then she did the sign of the cross because you can't say bitch and be a nun. You can be a bitch and be a nun, but you just can't say it. True. True story. <laughs> so the back of this bottle. <laughs> Dear angels, winter's here. I love this time of year. Fucking sadist. When the <laughs> fire's roaring and family meals are loud and full of joy. I hope this warm and cozy Cabernet Sauvignon finds a seat at the table and makes your holiday memories even more special. If you can remember them after drinking this entire bottle. Cheers, F. Stephen Millier. I liked your there's little a, subtext. There's in a there. little editorial at the end there. We all know what he means. All right. Cheers to our very special guest Hi. and a trio of badass bitches. Cheers. Ooh, that was a very was enthusiastic a clink. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, God, it went up my nose a little. <laughs> <laughs> Like unintentionally, you I did, know, I did one of those weird it, right? like hiccups, like when it was in my <laughs> mouth and it like went up my nose. But it's good. well, here, what are the notes that you're smelling? Yeah, you really like. I hear you're supposed to like leather. You know? <laughs> this is very dry, but it's I really like honestly it. Honestly, very similar to the one we had earlier, but is actually See, later. <laughs> I would, I would say not at all because this is very dry and very That's mellow true. for a cab sob. The other one was super tart where it was like, can you do that again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you imagine someone like, Making a face while snorting coke. That's kind of the face <laughs> Emily was making. Don't Do tell people about my coke snorting or? face. Just with Emily. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, you have a safe group of people who do certain things around, and it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about yeah, it. College was a while ago. Yeah, yeah. it's fine. Statue of limitations. One <laughs> <laughs> thing I do, kick me out of school. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, I'm starting us off. You I feel are, like man. I've been talking too damn much. All right. I am covering today Rita Levi Montalcini. Slightly hard to pronounce last yes, name, that but name. You, that's probably the only time you're going to say it. I think I say her last name like maybe three times total. And that was definitely on purpose. Well, I might be saying it wrong too because she's Italian. So it might be Montalcini, you know, like you got to do the fingers, you got to do the head bob, you got to like channel your inner Mario. <laughs> Either way, whatever way you say it will bring me joy. So Thank you. Thank yeah. you. See, we need to have fans on more often because <laughs> right? I feel so much more confident and, and secure in my pronunciations. <laughs> Should have done a French person for this episode. I would have destroyed the language and felt so good about it. All right. Picture it. World War II in Turin, Italy. Residents are under strict blackout orders to help protect against allied air raids. Rita, Le Rita Levi. See, and I'm fucking up the first name, which is the easiest part to say. I don't know what's happening. Rita. Rita Levi Mantocini and her family quickly take shelter in their apartment building's basement as the sirens blare. See, like tornado sirens don't really freak me out. Air raid sirens would permanently like fuck me up forever. Mm -hmm. perhaps, uh, perhaps some family members clutched heirlooms, valuables, or even supplies. But Rita carried something unexpected with her. 
a microscope, and glass slides. That was her prized possession. I was going to say, if your house is burning down, that's what she's grabbing. Yeah, yeah, that's her (laughs) Sherlock moment. (laughs) That's where the letters are hidden. It always makes me think, like, what would I grab? If I mean, besides, like, my dogs, like, I'm like, if my house was on fire, what would I, like, nothing. I was going to say my my cell phone. (laughs) Yeah, I, I would grab my... I would put on, I would grab clothes if I wasn't clothed. Because that's my thing. I'm like, if I, if there's a fire in my house in the middle of the night, like. We live in Minnesota. Shit, people are going to see some underwear. Grab do a robe. You, do you remember when we had that, uh, someone pulled the fire alarm in the middle of the night at our dorm and we all had to go outside in our jammies. And everyone was and, like wrapped in blankets yeah. and stuff because it was, it was like <laughs> October or something. Yeah, that also happened when I studied abroad in Scotland. Uh, oh, the yeah. fire alarm went, it was a fluke. Everything was fine. But the fire alarm went off in the middle of the night and it was, it was getting later into the semester. Yep. So it was pretty chill. And we were all like, fucking A. And they're like, well, I guess we don't have to do a fire drill now. <laughs> we, we're going to count it. The when thing I, that always set off the fire alarm in our dorm was the steam from the showers. Like if people took oh, too annoying. long, too hot showers, like it took a while, but yeah. I thought it was set it off two or three times. I always thought it was people microwaving popcorn because there is no way to actually microwave popcorn without burning it to shit. When I uh, was in college, I lived in an apartment building that was like above a Chipotle and they would pay a cleaning crew I guess to come in at like two in the morning to clean the grills and it would set off the smoke alarm in the entire apartment building and this was like a like one of those like student factory paper wall kind of like shithole places and uh it got to the point where I was like you know what if it's real I'm just gonna die I don't care anymore (laughs) you're like I'm too tired for this I'm too tired and they did this last week I'm I don't care we've all had those moments where you hear something in the middle of the night and you're like I'm too tired to actually give a shit this is where I die this is where I die this is where my story was supposed to end Well, this is where Rita's story begins. So Rita was born on April 22nd, 1909 in Turin, Italy as the latest in a family lineage that dated back to the Roman Empire. Wow. Her family has been in Italy for fucking ever. Rita and her twin sister, Paola, were the youngest of four children to Jewish parents, Adamo, an electrical engineer, and Adele, a painter. I like, Ad- I like both of those names. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like Adamo mm-hmm. in particular. Yeah. I bet it sounds nicer, like... In Italian. In, in Italian. In Italian yeah. If we have an Italian listener, please record yourself saying Adamo and send it to us. Mm-hmm. I mean, just open up a dictionary and get, get going because that's the ASMR daddy I am here for. <laughs> I also like Scottish. I'll take Scottish. Oh, yeah. God, yes. <laughs> it, it was so funny because like go, going and staying in Scotland, there were dudes where it's like, man, I wouldn't give you a second look in the States, but that accent, you, you're definitely going to get to I hold my attention my for a little bit. Put a yeah. paper bag over his head and let him keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> so as a teen, Rita dreamed of becoming a writer and was even inspired by author Selma Langerloff, who Kelly covered in episode yeah. 63. She was the one that wrote the book about the boy riding on the goose that then became an anime and yep. blew our fucking minds. <laughs> So she may have pursued a literary path if it wasn't for a personal tragedy. Rita and Paula's nanny and close family friend died of stomach cancer and helplessly watching her die inspired Rita to pursue a career in medicine. Caitlin, I hope your medical career origin story is not that tragic. I hope you were just like, I don't know. Like, I want to be a doctor, nurse. I liked surgery shows and... My mom thought that was weird because I would like watch lunch or eat lunch, not watch lunch, (laughs) eat lunch and like watch surgery shows. And she's like, I don't know what's wrong with this girl. I like gore, I guess. See, for yeah. a second, I thought lunch was like a Grey's Anatomy spinoff no. I had. <laughs> no. no, it's like the midday meal. <laughs> oh, is it? Is it like the 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 downtime when they're not all dying or fucking each other, yeah, where they're right. just in the break room having a sandwich? <laughs> the most unrealistic part of that show is like them wheeling their patients to MRI. Like nobody does that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, we have other staff to do that. <laughs> right, they're stealing someone's job. Yeah. So she attended the University of Turin Medical School. And while that may seem like every parent's dream, like my kid's going to medical school, Rita's father was super not on board. He actively discouraged all of his daughters from pursuing education because he feared it would prevent them from fulfilling their destinies as wives and mothers. Oh, no. 
I don't know. I don't I mean, know. It was kind of that time period. You'll, you'll lose your ability to clean a house if your you head's have filled ba- with medicine. You can't have babies if you get a degree. Yeah. Learning about the human the, body the is the last person. thing that you should do if you're going to have a baby. Learning anything about your body or the human body, it's, it's just going to hold you back. If anything, it's going to keep you from not wanting to have babies because you're going to learn everything that happened. I don't know. She's the only one. <laughs> I have had she's a baby. Yeah. She's the only one of the sister-in-laws that have had a baby. Yep. <laughs> and I knew exactly what was coming. <laughs> was that better or worse? I thought it was better, but I like knowing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, plus then if something like what other people might consider weird happens, you're just like, oh no, this is this is a normal part of pregnancy. My labor took 66 yeah, I know. hours. I remember. Jesus H. Christ. And I was... Like, you okay, like, I'm not dying. It's going to be okay. You were in like a weird pseudo labor yeah. for part of it. My you? midwife called it prodromal, which is when you're in labor, but not progressing. And then my water broke like an hour later. So she just, she named it and did me a favor because it helped it just go faster. <laughs> so it was like hours, you, so it's like you were waiting in line for the ride at Disney world. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, now I'm actually on the ride Yeah, and things are happening <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. And waiting Three in line days. is literally the pretty worst much, part. Yeah. Three days of labor. Good Time God. became irrelevant. Oh yeah. I'm yeah. Sure. I was, was like, was don't Alex tell me how long my thing? contractions are. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Of him. <laughs> he was a rock star. Seriously. That's good. Yeah. Anyway, we're, not going to get anywhere near the end of your story. Oh, that is totally fine. <laughs> It'd be a long episode, guys. Yeah. So Rita said, quote, at 20, I realized I could not possibly adjust to a feminine role as conceived by my father and asked him permission to engage in a professional career. Like early on, she's like, oh, this whole wife and mother thing is not what I want to do. I, there's no way I can fucking do this. She's and like, maybe wife, probably not mother. Yeah. And, I mean, to his credit, Rita's father did come around and support her intellectual pursuits. Oh, so you know what? This is a good lesson you can start out ignorant but you can also make decisions for the better so you can like change you, you can change for the better it's supportive parenting excuse, yeah, right? excuse me That's while wicked just plays over and over in my head <laughs> <laughs> so it's worth noting that because rita's father didn't believe in education for women rita was super uneducated at this point she had to cram years worth of education into eight months including learning greek latin and math to earn her place in medical school. And I'm like, Oh, that's right. I forgot they used to require all three. Yeah. And on any of those topics immediately, or I'm like, no. And math. I'm like Latin. Greek I get Latin. Greek. I, I guess it's sort of a lot of, it's kind of the same, the same reason you learn Latin. Cause back yeah. then a lot of the like roots and stuff came from either Latin or handy. Greek. It is handy to know. So while in medical school, Rita met neurohistologist Giuseppe Ooh. Levi, no relation, mm-hmm. and caught the neurobug. Hopefully not a real one because that would be terrifying. <laughs> it's called Mad Cow. <laughs> oh we have talked about Mad Cow a little we bit. Have. Yeah. Rita graduated summa cum laude in 1936, excuse me, and began working as Giuseppe's assistant as the, at the university. Yay. And she was primed for an exciting and successful medical career and like just being badass and awesome. And then Benito Mussolini reared his hemorrhoid head. It's been a while since we've had a story about World about War II and fascists and Nazis. So here you go. For anyone who doesn't know, Benito Mussolini was the fascist dictator of Italy from 1922 to 1943. He was on Hitler's side. Yeah. He doesn't get as much attention as Hitler or Stalin, but he was just as much of a racist, power-hungry piece of shit. He released his manifesto of race that demonized Jewish people, and he literally said that, quote, it is time that Italians proclaim themselves genuinely racist. Not even hiding it. He's like, no, we're racist. And he was super open. And that's awesome. Like, no. What a, what a brand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, a, what a hill to die on. Yeah. In the manifesto, he also restricted employment and educational opportunities for Jewish citizens and even confiscated their property. So like when we talk about like what was going on with the Jews in Germany and how they were being kicked out of schools and government jobs, the same thing is happening here. This meant Rita lost her job because she is from a Jewish family, but she didn't lose her fire. That passion. That passionate fire. Oh yeah, there you go. She spent some time in Belgium with her oldest sister, Nina, and her family. And there she was able to continue her research on the developing nervous systems of vertebrate embryos. Well, yeah. 
And the, at this point, it's early on enough where they have not been invaded by the Nazis. Exactly. There's, they're they still don't have okay. to declare anything. Yeah. Yeah. For this, she studied fertilized chicken eggs. So what she's doing is she's studying, like, how does our nervous system even develop in our bodies? I'm going to... And Caitlin has the dreamiest look on I her face. I love embryonic development. It's so cool. I... I just love the nervous system. I didn't know you were going to be here for this episode. (laughs) And I feel like the universe, like we always talk about how our uteruses glow to like sync things up. I feel like my uterus glowed. It was like, you need to do this. Actually, quick side note. I found this woman, you know, when you're in a browser and you open a new tab and it'll show you like different articles you can read, literally found this woman. She was in one of those articles. I'm like, I should click on this. I bet the algorithm just has you figured out. It's like, here's ladies. (laughs) It absolutely does. And I thank it. Yeah. So though Rita missed her family back in Italy terribly, writing to her mother that she had a, quote, infinite desire to embrace you again, she had no opportunities in Italy now that Mussolini had taken power. There's literally nothing she could do there. Then things got worse. What? Yeah. World War II. It just, it was like this. Just kept rolling along. Yeah. In September of 1939, Hitler invaded Poland, and Rita wrote that the, quote, whole world was in danger. The Nazis were only advancing, and Belgium was next on their list. Rita recalled, quote, France. (laughs) After a short period spent in Brussels as a guest of a neurological institute, I returned to Turin on the verge of the invasion of Belgium by the German army, spring 1940, to join my family. The two alternatives left then to us were either to emigrate to the United States or to pursue some activity that needed neither support nor connection with the outside Aryan world where we lived. My family chose the second alternative. I then decided to build a small research unit at home and installed it in my bedroom. She's taken like this work from home thing very seriously. (laughs) She would have thrived during the pandemic. (laughs) Upon her return to Italy, Rita moved into an apartment with her mother, her twin sister, Paola, who had, like was actually a very successful artist. Yeah. Um, and her brother, Luigi Gino, uh, who was like a super badass architect. Like these people have their own wiki pages. So like, I just want to let you know, she comes from like a super badass family. She's like the Curies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where it's like everyone <laughs> is just a superstar in their own right. Gino had also lost his job as a professor at the University of Turin. Calling this place an apartment might give you like the wrong idea. This isn't like the apartments we have lived in or like that paper thin place above the Chipotle. (laughs) This place was 10 rooms. Oh, shit. Every wow. every single family member had their own room. Thank yeah, I was God. thinking like tenement housing. Like, yeah. Just stack. No, that, that's like penthouse suite level. You're yeah. thinking of Poland, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> or, you know, early America yeah. tenement housing. Yeah, yeah, this is more like, oh, you live in a big city, but you can still live in like a nice place. This is yeah. like, I'm imagining Fraser's like apartment Maybe with like more like rooms. A like a Boston row house. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Like, gorgeous. And... Them having all this space was a huge blessing because there was very little for them to do outside the home. Jews were banned from jobs and schools and overall anti-Semitism was on the rise. So it's like if you walk outside and someone recognizes you as a Jew, they could kill you and... Nothing would be done about it. Who cares? Yeah, it was just super dangerous. So you lost your person status. Exactly. You're not not a person. You were an anti-country element. You were the enemy. And it's like... Her family literally dates back to the Roman Empire. And I even read that Italy has some of the uh, farthest back dating roots of Judaism. Mm -hmm. They they have like a really long history of Jewish people living there. That that was a really (laughs) terrible way to articulate (laughs) that, but it's all right. That's cool. It's not like, oh, we showed up yesterday. Not that that would make it okay, but... So with no other opportunities, Rita turned her room into her laboratory. And in this long, narrow room, Rita had a table for opening eggs and a microscope that she used to operate on the embryos. She also had a more elaborate microscope that she had purchased in Milan, 80 miles away. So while carrying the microscope in a large box back to the train. So she goes to Milan, buys the microscope. She's carrying it in a box back. She's literally stopped by two police officers because they thought she was smuggling cake. Cake? Cake? Yeah, so uh, panettone cake was only available illegally at the time due to rationing. So they thought it's like a holiday. Is that the fruit cake? Kind of. The fruit cake esque cake? Yes. Yeah, I think they sell it at like Costco. Costco. Yeah, Yeah. Christmas time. So literally, 
she's got this big box and you're like yeah. bitch do it's you exactly have cake what I thought it was. <laughs> we gotta search you for cake get the dogs this bitch might have cake you sound like my toddler my <laughs> 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 oh my god i had i had a preschooler we had donuts at the daycare one time for the teachers and i had my donut on the desk i was saving it for later at this little preschooler who's like i like donuts <laughs> and i'm like yeah me too buddy he goes my mom lets me have donuts. <laughs> You're like, I have donuts at my house. And I, I even, I was like, well, honey, this is my house. So I have donuts here. Sounds like you should go you home You can then. have donuts at your house, <laughs> right? Like, this is my donut. Back the fuck off. <laughs> Do you know how many blowouts I have to change in a day? Get the fuck away from me and my donut. <laughs> Touch that donut. <laughs> so they, they check her out and they're like, oh, it's just a microscope. Fuck it. Whatever. <laughs> and Rita felt it was safer to travel to Milan at this time because it hadn't been bombed for months. So she's like, oh, we're really like, cool off period. But then just a week later, it got hit in an air raid and it was bad. Well, I mean, at least she wasn't there. Yeah. But still. Yeah. She like just missed you getting know, At least she nailed. wasn't like um, that one guy that went from one atomic bomb to the other. Atomic oh, my bomb. God. Oh, That's a bad plan. Yeah, we covered that on um, Chaos Cast. Chaos Cast. Yeah. If you guys Every, haven't listened to that, to it. check it, it out. It was chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> so this microscope was worth the potential for danger because it was super duper fancy. It had two eyepieces, a camera, and mirrors that allowed her to view microscopic details mm. and her hand next to the microscope. And this was important because it, it allowed cool. her to simultaneously observe and draw the nerve cells that she found. That's so she's cool. able to like trace it in real time while staring at it her microscope was also the most advanced thing that she had instead of using scalpels to dissect chicken embryos she used sewing needles because she's just making the shit work i mean a scalpel would be too big anyway yeah, I was yeah. Say, that actually seems like more the appropriate size i don't know if they have like special scalpels because like would she be using sewing needles in that like a proper laboratory or i can't speak to laboratory yeah. operations especially in the 1930s and 40s I mean, they do have, like, cellular scalpel-type things nowadays, but I don't know what it was like Well, if you don't know what labs were doing in the 1930s and 40s, why why did we even bring you on? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) You must know everything. (laughs) Never coming back. (laughs) So, as part of her research, Rita also embedded embryos in melted wax. So, once the wax dried, she would thinly slice the wax to observe the imprints of nerve cells under the microscope. She wrote that her work absorbed her completely. This is like all she is. I mean, that's good though. She doesn't have anything else to like. Yeah, thank God. Yeah, thank God. There's no Netflix. There's no DoorDash. She has nothing that we can survive the pandemic with, and we're like dealing with a pandemic versus people literally want you dead. Yeah, like you're hiding out in your home because just being assholes. Yeah, so you can't leave your house. Truly awful. So Rita was trying to determine how billions of nerve cells were so miraculously and perfectly wired in our bodies, allowing us to do and feel everything. Science time. Our nervous system, and Caitlin will correct me if I'm wrong. She is the expert here. So guys, you don't have to yell at me. It's just like a lot of pressure. Yes. (laughs) Our nervous system uses specialized cells called neurons to send electrical signals all over our bodies. Okay, Wikipedia is correct then. (laughs) (laughs) These signals are like messages that tell each part of your body what to do from telling your legs to move to telling your heart to beat and your guts to digest the shame-free cheesecake you devoured because food shouldn't be shameful. I was eating cheesecake while I wrote this. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, preach, sister. Yeah. (laughs) Are you okay? (laughs) So your brain is the hard drive and your nervous system are the wires connecting everything. Rita had read the work of another researcher, Victor Hamburger, yes, Hamburger, who had been studying the development of nerve cells. And this guy basically said that each muscle in the body turns nearby cells into nerve cells, which ensures that each group of nerve cells could connect to the next. And this is how he said nerve cells could connect with their targets and reliably send messages. Wrong. Real quick. Yeah, we're going to find out that's (laughs) not true. You know, so before you write that on your science exam, that's not true. That sounds like a very masculine idea of the way something is made. 
Like it just all becomes one thing because that's what it is. And I've decided and the end. It, it's like, it's like, yeah, well, the muscle is charge. taking over everything and imposing its will and yeah. it's all very Most powerful. Very patri- yeah, it's a very patriarchal uh, approach to, you know, human development or neurologic development. So through her experiments, Rita was able to track the development of the nervous system, and she would eventually team up with her old friend, Giuseppe Levi, the person who had sparked her interest in neurology in the first place, except now he was her assistant. Wow. Yeah. This is in her basement or her bedroom? This is like, yeah, in her bedroom. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. It's it's so funny because- Come into my bedroom. No, 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 no. Not for that. Like, help me me with these eggs. You know that like everyone sees him go into her bedroom and like immediately when the door closes, they're all whispering. And literally these people are just like cutting open chicken chicken embryos and putting them in wax. Like the least sexy thing you can imagine. And everyone's like, ooh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And then- Rita made a discovery. She found that embryonic nerve cells would multiply rapidly, grow, and then die if they didn't find a target. Her theory asserted that nerve cell death was a normal part of development, and the reason your nervous system develops in such an accurate and complex way is in large part because the cells that the nerve cells that fail just die. So that's why you don't have like a bunch of rando nerve cells. So it's literally only the ones that find a target stay there. Okay, Caitlin yeah. is not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, that's why brain development is so fascinating because yeah. it's like the more you do certain things, the stronger the connection in your brain will be. And then if you, even if you learn something, if you stop doing it, those cells can die. It's like. It almost, it almost <sighs> makes me think of like a river or like when you're playing in a sandbox and you, you cut a canal through the sand, you dump a bunch of water and some of the water might splash out the edges of the canal but then it's just absorbed back in the ground. It doesn't go anywhere. But everything in the ravine keeps moving forward because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it has somewhere to go. Yeah. So basically, Victor was wrong, as we have already discussed. This groundbreaking theory stayed on the low low, though, because as Jews, Rita and Giuseppe couldn't publish their findings in any Italian articles. Fortunately, they were able to get published in some foreign journals in the early 1940s <laughs> who weren't as, like, anti-Semitic shit eaters. Yeah, you know, probably allied powers. Yeah. She ended the study with this quote, we propose to do this in a more detailed presentation and with more documented results. And she said this knowing full well that opportunity may never come. And like, I don't know, the optimism of that just really struck me. World War II didn't take a break for scientific discoveries. Surprise, surprise. To escape the Allied bombings, Rita moved her lab to the country. And then on July 25th, 1943, Benito Mussolini was voted out of power and arrested. And he would eventually be killed and his body strung up and paraded through the country. But fuck him. I like, I like that, honestly. Yeah. It sounds like a good, so good end for him. This should have been great <laughs> news for everyone. Him like getting kicked out of power because fuck that dude. But Hitler still had Germany in his clutches and he saw Mussolini's fall coming and already had plans to invade Italy to keep the Allies from mm-hmm. getting a foothold in Europe. So by the time Italy surrendered to the Allied powers on September 8th, Hitler launched his invasion in northern Italy. The Nazis wasted no time rounding up Jews and sending them to death camps. Rita and her family fled south to Florence under false identities, and they were fortunate enough to survive to see the end of the war. Like, they're, they're... in northern Italy, so when all this, this is happening, this is our first like Nazi featuring story where someone didn't go to a death camp. Yeah, right. yeah. Like even if they survived, like no one, in, as far as I know, no one in her family, or at least that she was with, uh, was killed or sent to a death camp, oh, which is truly miraculous. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> Rita helped with po- post war efforts by treating patients in a refugee camp because she's a goddamn saint. Love her. So having survived the war, Rita was finally free to pursue her neuroembryology research without fascist dictators and anti-Semitic laws standing in her way. In a super cool twist, Victor Hamburger, the guy whose theory that she basically proved wrong, uh, invited her to Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri. So instead of being a tool, he was like, whoa, we got different findings from the same experiments. Let's team up and find the truth. Yeah. Like, that's great. Good for you, Science. Victor. Yay. Yeah. Like, don't let your don't let fragile masculinity get in the way of scientific truth. Good for you. Rita recalled, I felt at home the day I landed, which is very sweet. Mm-hmm. 
In Hamburger's laboratory, he and Rita found that a certain type of mouse tumor spurred nerve growth. And in a move that can literally only make sense to scientists, they implanted the tumor into chicken embryos and found that the tumor had a substance they called nerve growth factor or NGF. And they were then able to isolate the NGF being released by the tumor. So basically, this tumor is releasing NGF, which is causing nerve growth. So they're observing it in the mouse. Then they put it in the embryo and they're like, oh, it's still doing it. And then they're able to isolate this like, I imagine NGF is being purple. So this like purple substance, I don't know. <laughs> purple goo. It's glowing. Um, There's sparkles in it. Uh, maybe not sparkles. It's like a My Little Pony, uh, if a My Little Pony threw up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nerve growth is magic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Friendship and nerve growth factor are magic. <laughs> So NGF was the first of many cell growth factors that scientists would discover. Rita and researchers after her investigated how NGF could possibly combat combat neural degeneration like dementia and Alzheimer's disease, multiple sclerosis, schizophrenia, and even target cancer. So like this is a big deal. A lot of really insane, awesome applications. Rita spent much of her life researching, educating, and advocating for science funding, but her life was not without controversy. Rita spent time working with the Italian pharmaceutical industry, Fidia, and supported a drug that they produced called Cornisiol, which was meant to treat neuropathy. Well, basically, years later, around anymore. Yeah, well, that's because <laughs> years later, some people who had received it reported suffering from Guillain-Barre syndrome, where basically your immune system starts attacking attacking your peripheral nervous system. Oh, that's oh, it, but it gets into like the part of your nervous system that controls your breathing. Mm, yeah, so you like so you die. Yeah, if you don't get to the hospital in time. So back in the day, people would just die from Guillain-Barre. Now it's survivable. As long as you get to the hospital soon enough, get intubated, you'll eventually get better. So that's good. So here is, here's our uh, public safety announcement. If you have a hard time breathing, go to the hospital. (laughs) If you don't know that already, um, listen to Emily for sure. I mean, we were literally just talking about, I was like, I don't know, my boob hurt. And I just really didn't want to think I had breast cancer. So I wasn't going to go to the doctor. Fear and... What was the other one? Fear, Lack of insurance. Fear, well, yes. Fear and denial yeah, don't can let, be real killers. Don't let fear and denial stop you from getting yourself checked out. Punch them in the face. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So after an investigation, it was discovered that Fidia had paid the Italian Ministry of Health to fast track the approval of the drug. And oh. Rita's relationship with the company was like that connection was made. And she was publicly criticized. That didn't slow her down, though. Like, I just, I felt it was important to include that because I don't want to just be like, every woman we cover is always awesome and never does anything wrong or controversial. It's like, shit happens. People are complicated. Yeah. Yeah, they are. In 1986, she was awarded the Nobel Prize along with her colleague Stanley Cohen, who had helped her isolate the NGF. She founded the European Brain Research Institute in 2002 and acted as its president. In 2001, she was appointed Senator for Life by the President of Italy. And this wasn't just like an honorary title where you get like, oh, you're an honorary doctor. Senator? Yeah, forever. And she literally gets to vote in Italy's parliament. And notably in 2006, the 97 year old Rita went and voted on something. She held the deciding vote in a budget issue. She threatened to withdraw her support of the proposed budget unless they revised it to not cut scientific funding. She goes in there. She's 97 goddamn years old. And she's like, "Mm -mm." she's putting our glass. She's like, no, I don't like this. You're cutting, I'm sorry, cutting scientific funding. We're not doing that. It's like the other lady. I just envision her like setting down her knitting and being like, (laughs) excuse me. We have a problem over here. Get over here. I took time off of bingo for this. Yeah, right. (laughs) I was cutting some sweet chicken embryos and you brought me away from that for this bullshit. Are you, what did you think I was going to say? Are you kidding me? She's just like super like, Jesus Christ, people. Yeah. Rita turns up. They yeah. relented and decided to fund science and the budget was passed. Good. Yeah. So she literally was like made sure science was funded in 2006. Can, can, can she come vote in our Congress? Yeah, right. Well, Probably she's not. dead now. Yeah. So apparently this was a super snowflake move as far right politicians mocked Rita for being so old. <laughs> hey, you've lived a long life. Ha 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 ha. That's so dumb. I, you know. This bitch survived Mussolini and... 
and the Nazis while making scientific discoveries in her bedroom. Fuck right off with that age of shit. Are you kidding me? It's not like she just like sat in a chair and aged. She survived. (laughs) You assholes. (laughs) This bitch saw the millennium. Like, God. It's like, clearly, if anyone knows how important like research funding and scientific funding is, it's going to be someone like that. And, you know, so she's like, I'm sorry. Cut your military budget. Yeah. Cut, cut, cut something else. Also, this woman fucking thrives in adversity. She actually said, quote, and I love this. I should thank Mussolini for having declared me to be of an inferior race. This led me to the joy of working, not anymore, unfortunately, in university institutes, but in a bedroom. So she's just like, yeah, I maybe I wouldn't have gotten so into my research if I literally had nothing else to well, do. She doesn't have right. to commute anymore. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's it's Same a valuable time. She it never really has does. to get dressed. She's in her jammies the whole time. But I love how she's she's like taking this really horrible situation and she's like making it work towards towards her benefit. I feel like that's an extra fuck you. It's like ha ah, fuck you, you dead son of a bitch for calling my race inferior. I made it work for me. <laughs> right? Who's inferior now, bitch? Yeah, I didn't get strung up and paraded around. Around the country. Rita Levi Montalcini died in her home in Rome on December 30th, 2012, at 103 years Jesus. old. Jesus. That's a good run. Yeah. Good. That's a real, that's a real good run. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. not long before, she's fucking voting in parliament. Like, she's still doing <laughs> stuff. So, legacy. If I listed all of her honors and accolades, this would be another 20 pages. So, I just want to end this with a quote from Rita. Quote, Above all, don't fear difficult moments. The best comes from them. And I feel like that really summarized her entire story because she her life was a difficult moment. Her entire damn life was a difficult moment. <laughs> yeah, it was 103 years of difficult moments that she just made work for her. Right. Oh, and that is story, the story of Rita Levi Montalcini and her difficult moments. I like that. Yeah. So, sorry, Caitlin, thank you so much for like supporting. I was like seeing you nodding on the corner. I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah, no, you're good. (laughs) Wikipedia didn't steer me wrong. (laughs) (laughs) It's when you get into the hairy details that it's like, okay. I try to keep it so basic because I'm like, if you really, if you're one of those people that's like, well, you didn't mention this super vague thing. It's like, well, you already know it. So why am I telling you? Right. And it's, it's the people who the don't know shit who need the basic details. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or like that one person who's like, well, this really important thing like has a master's in it. Yeah. It's no. Right. Like if you want to know context. the like super nitty gritty details, go look it up yourself. This yeah. is not a science podcast. <laughs> this is a bunch of women getting drunk on wine and talking about other women. Yeah. It's like, it's like girls night, but instead of gossiping in a bitchy way, we're sharing beautiful stories. I heard uplifting women. I heard she was really successful. Oh my God. I heard that she built a whole laboratory in her bedroom. I heard she got the Nobel Peace Prize or the Nobel Prize. I heard her assistant was a man. (gasps) (gasps) How scandalous. Oh my God. So Kelly, who are you whining about? I am whining about Petra Herrera. Ooh, I love that name. That sounds familiar. Oh. I, I don't know. So let, <laughs> let me set the scene for you. The year is 1910. Mexico is in the grips of the dictator Porfirio Diaz's corrupt government, and people across Mexico are revolting and rising up against the elite. It would, it would go on to be a decade-long bloody civil war that would claim the lives of an estimated 1.5 million people. During this war, women served. Um, they were called sotaderas, and they covered a lot of the minutia in camp that soldiers really wouldn't think about, cooking, cleaning, making sure everyone was eating, you know, <laughs> Um a lot of times there would be children following along with the camp, so they would, you know, babysit, etc. And with the war tearing up town after town, more and more women and children would join the growing armies through the years. And although some of the forces straight up kidnapped some of these women, or worse, unfortunately, um, the result of this whole thing was that the armies at the time looked like it was just a giant like party, basically. A journalist at the time actually described one of the revolutionaries' camp as appearing like an immense picnic. 
good grief because it's just like everybody it's just everybody's a bunch of just families going. that sounds fun i mean see i'm imagining like almost a refugee camp style thing and this person's calling it a picnic almost right yeah i'm confused i yeah. guess too a picnic sounds fun but i usually imagine like a balloons or something right you know people not know. at war and fleeing from war and yeah Art- artistic teg- integrity i don't know <laughs> <laughs> journalist was just like let's put an optimistic spin on this shit that was their uh, editorializing right <laughs> like like the old british like uh movies that they have from the pacific where they're like and the natives are doing blah 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 and isn't it quaint and you're like this is really this is making me uncomfortable oh, yeah, yeah. the yep. natives have a quaint <laughs> practice of dancing around a fire which is so primitive it's in almost their, adorable in their grass skirts oh my right? goodness what a look they're, yeah. they're very, yeah. <laughs> it's like patronizing yeah <laughs> So Petra was born in 1887, but other than that, little is known about her life before she became a soldadera. Uh, the reason she joined the war, even that is mi- mysterious. They, you know, some people say she joined to fight for women's rights, or maybe she just saw the suffering of her fellow people and decided to fight, or maybe her town got taken over. No one's really quite sure. Uh, what people did know, though, is Petra was not there to cook or clean or watch anyone's children. You know what I think is interesting? As curious as I am about her motivations, just because I feel like it would give me more information about her life, we don't ask dudes why they want to go to war. Right. We just like, yeah, because you're a dude. That's just, you know, you're a warrior at heart. But a woman, well, why does she want to go to war? What's her angle? Right. I mean, honestly, I wonder for anyone. Yeah. <laughs> for me, <laughs> yeah, personally. But, you know, I'm all modern or I don't know. I'm not even going to say that because I'm not that modern. You're just curious. I'm just curious. Yeah, I'm it's, too. it's one of those things. It's not something I have ever wanted to do or a position I've ever wanted to find myself in. Mm-hmm. So I have a hard time empathizing with people who are like, like have that calling. Just like I have a hard time empathizing with people who want to be doctors. I'm like, that sounds like a goddamn nightmare. <laughs> there's there's fungus tit tumors man it's insane i don't want any part of that oh that's funny yeah so petro was in her mid-20s when she joined the the soldaderas and originally she disguised so originally she didn't really join this the soldadera um because she disguised herself as a man and went by the name of pedro uh, because she wanted to be eligible for battlefield promotions she wanted to get out there and get some shit done um, this was a commonplace tactic among female soldiers during this war. Really, it's not even just during this war. We've talked about them during the Civil War, World War One. I. I think World War Two women could actually fight in. Uh, Maybe not. I don't remember. No. I know they could do like certain like certain nurses, roles. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that's not what Pedro wanted to do. So she was like, "Nope, I'm Pedro now." Um, she would tuck her braids away in a hat and wear men's clothes, as well as shave her beard every morning so that people wouldn't ask why she didn't have facial hair. So, like, she would say that she did it before everyone else got up. I'd just stop plucking. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Like a fourteen-year-old boy. Um, I was gonna say my legs uh, could definitely pass for a dude's oh, legs right now, yeah. pretty quick. So I got my winter legs going. Oh, I do too. <laughs> I gave up on that a long time. Yeah. Ago. <laughs> so Petra established her reputation with the revolutionaries real quick. She was a solid leader, had good marksmanship, and had a very uh, interesting way of getting things done. And her expertise was blowing up bridges. Cool. What a great expertise to have. Like, so she was really good at leading people, really good at shooting things, and really good at blowing up bridges. Uh. I'm like, how do you get that skill? You know what? (laughs) That's a resume that lands on your desk. And you know, you've read like 80,000 resumes and half of them are the same template. And then you get this lady's resume. It's like, okay, Petra Herrera blowing up bridges. What? Oh, damn. Well, if she can blow up bridges, she can do anything. Head of marketing. Let's do this. (laughs) Right. Those have very clearly translatable skills. Yes. 100%. So um, due to like her skills, obviously, Petra became very, very popular to the point where she was actually able to drop the I'm a man pretense that she was under and just Be. whipped out her braids and was like, I'm a woman, you know, you know how good I am. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, she she started wearing her braids in public and fighting under her own name. And by 1914, she was the cap a captain underneath Pancho Villa, um, one of the head revolutionaries during this, this war. And she was leading about 200 men into battle. Holy crap. 
Yeah. You know what's interesting about that is that there's this idea that women have to like prove their worth while men are kind of given the benefit of the doubt Mm -hmm. in certain fields. And she had to do the exact same thing over a hundred years ago. She had to prove that she deserved to be there. And then she was finally able to reveal her gender. Yeah. Yeah, Come out as a woman. (laughs) (laughs) One of her crowning achievements though, was the sack of Turin, which is a, which is a big freaking deal. This was the biggest fight in the war to that day. And this gave Pancho Villa and the revolutionaries access to heavy artillery, half a million rounds of ammunition, armored cars, and basically all the military stuff that they would need. Holy crap. Um, Petra, however, is not given much or any credit, really, in her work in the massive fight. Um, She's never mentioned any of the official papers, so take this with a grain of salt. But according to a soldier that was in the battle that day, she was... Quote, she was the one who took Turin. She turned off the lights when they entered the city. So, like, according to people that were there, she did. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) She did a lot of the fighting. I will say, like, how often do we see men take credit away from women? And this this is a man who's like, no, 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 she did the damn thing. Which makes me feel like, oh, that was probably definitely true. She probably did the thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She might have done more. Exactly. (laughs) Although her bridge blowing up expertise was was wonderful and she had quite a few victories under her belt, Pancho Villa refused to give uh, military credit to a woman and he would not permit Petra to serve as a general in his army. Boo. As a result of uh, being removed, um, this resulted in her being removed from Villa's forces. So Petra formed her own brigade. (laughs) exclusively made of women. Oh my God. By the end of the war, it was estimated to comprise about 300 to 400 women. Some say that at like the very peak of the war, she was, um, she housed around a thousand women. Uh, no one's quite sure, but they do know that she was about solidly at 400, almost constantly throughout the war. She would look after her women like she she, like she was a mama bear armed to the teeth and she wouldn't let men sleep in her camp or even come around. And she enforced the rule by staying up late and using any wayward male soldier that would try to get into her camp as target practice. Love it. She just shoot at them. No, fuck you guys. (laughs) No fuck boys allowed. (laughs) (laughs) At the end of the war, she again requested to be made a general and to remain in the military. She was promoted to colonel. And her brigade was disbanded and they didn't allow her to continue in the military, unfortunately. And what happened to the women in her brigade afterwards is also unknown. They probably just went back to being wives and mothers. Mm. Who were really good at shooting. Yeah, right. Who put the fear of God into their husbands. Right. (laughs) They kept the fuckboys away. Yes. So Petra would go on to work for another of the main resistance's um, top people, Carenza, she worked for him as a spy. Um, and she so she took the on the role of a bartender in Jimenez. But unfortunately, a group of drunk men uh, started arguing with her and shot her three times, and she would later die from infection due to those injuries. Are you fucking serious? Ouch. Yeah, this woman sucks. who like led people in war got murdered by a bunch of drunk, drunk assholes. assholes. Yeah. Hemorrhoids. The fuck boys strike back. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's awful. Yeah, so she died in 1916. Wow, only 1916? What, 40 years old? When was she? No, born? she was almost. She was 29. I was gonna say 1887. This, this story started in 1910, for God's sakes. Um, so in just a few short years, Petra went from being a no-name soldier pretending to be a man in order to fight for her country to leading her own distinguished troop of soldaderas. She bravely fought for Via, and she fought fearlessly and spied for Carenza. And above all else, she dedicated the last few years of her life to bringing equality to both her gender and her fellow countrymen. Quote, Petra is a representative of the Mexican woman who fought valiantly during the Mexican Revolution. She fought for the rights of Mexicans to achieve a better life. End quote. This was by um, a Santa Barbara professor of Chicanics studies uh, and author of a book called Maria Herrera Sobek tells tells Teen Vogue. No, that's her name, Maria, Maria Herrera Sobek, and she the quote is from Teen Vogue. Okay, so here's one thing I do want to mention um, that as amazing as Petra was, I do want to say she is not unique for being an amazing soldadera. There's quite a few other ones that I have added to my list because I'm like these all sound like badasses. 
Um, she actually wasn't even uh, a unique for going under the name of Pedro. There was actually another Petra that went under the name of Pedro in this, like at the same time as her. Oh my god! Maybe that's so, why yeah. she sounded familiar. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, that was Petra Herrera. Awesome. That is amazing. Also, I love when we get into Mexican history because even though they're literally connected to the United States, there are pants. I know so little about like right? Mexican history unless it has something to do directly with the United States, like the Alamo. Yeah. And even that, I don't know much about the Mexican side of things. I mean, we don't live in Texas, you know. Th- this is true. This is true. We are uh, we are Midwesterners. <laughs> we don't know much about the South. Although, admittedly, I can't say I know a ton about Canadian history either. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I covered a Canadian woman, Viola Desmond, and that is like the, ex- and I know she's you on there like another one $10 Sophie, note. Sophie Moreau. Oh, Sophie Morjo, yeah. Because yeah, I was going to cover her and then you covered her. That's right, her. yeah. So I know just like this much. <laughs> <laughs> My fingers are real close together for those who can't see. Hey, yeah. Emily. Ooh. What are you thankful for? Oh, shit. What am I thankful for? Um, I am thankful because uh, Jared's sister and her daughter moved closer to us. They're in the same town, so I'm going to get to spend more time with my niece. And she is, she she came over during the big storm that we had, and God, she is so smart. Like, I count with her, and then she'll, one, two, like, she just picks up on things so quickly. And it's it's just really amazing to see her, like, growing up and being so cool and then also uh I'm gonna have a really lit new year's because I'm watching my other niece who's a little younger so we're gonna be having her for a couple nights and I'm gonna get too cool to come to my new I'm gonna get sloppy on some mocktails and (laughs) watching some Doc McStuffins like a badass bitch oh damn (laughs) that sugar rush is gonna get you oh my god (laughs) yeah yeah so yeah I'm I'm excited for that also, Arthur had a vet appointment, and he's doing very well. And they said he was a very good boy. Oh, you baby. They love you. <laughs> Kelly, what are you thankful for? Uh, I'm thankful that I'm done with school for two weeks. Yay. 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 Last week was final week, finals week. And it was funny because one of my coworkers was like, oh, no, how bad's your test going to be? And I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of in a major that doesn't do tests. I'm like, we do love projects it. and papers. I'm like, I don't know if that's better or worse. Way better. See, I think it's worse because I'm a really good test taker. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) See, I'm a terrible test taker. (laughs) But so, yeah, I had a paper due and then I had to do a PowerPoint presentation yesterday. But now I'm done for two weeks. But then I'm taking four classes again at once because I hate myself. You know, it's funny, though. I learn more doing research like for this podcast. I absorb the knowledge so much better than if I was studying it for a test. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so I enjoy that. Yeah. 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 So I feel like that probably really helps you think critically about what you're learning and how to apply it. Right. It's not like, what's the mental disorder that makes people sad? Depression. <laughs> a, depression. B, the flu. C. I mean, the flu makes people sad, too. Yeah. But Tuesday. <laughs> D, all of the above. What? <laughs> I mean, all kind of. of? Uh, nursing school is cool where it's like a multiple chest choice, multiple chest. <laughs> uh, choice test. Yep. And they say, choose the best answer. Oh, yeah. I love those questions. Yeah. I'm like, fuck. And you're like, uh, what if my well, best answer is not are, your best answer? Are an answer. Yeah. God. <laughs> I don't like those You questions. just circle like, all of them. Right. Yeah. Like, what do you do first? And you're like. I don't know, open the door and wash my hands. Like right. <laughs> apply hand sanitizer. Yep. Um, Put pants on. <laughs> speaking of uh, animals and vets, uh, we brought our old dog in to the vet this last week and she is also doing well. She's Yay. not a baby. She's a very old dog. But old we did pug. we did get her some pain meds because we're worried about arthritis in her hips. So they seem to be doing good. But other than that, they said she's doing real well. So good. Well, what are you gonna do with all this time? On your hands. Catch up on sleep. I know. That's what I told someone. I was like, they're like, what are you going to do? I'm like, sleep. And they're like, that, that would sound nice. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, I got shit to do. Caitlin, what are you thankful for? Oh, gosh. Can I say, like, 
hanging out with you ladies. Absolutely. In I'm fact, so you might be obligated to say that. <laughs> I do. I, mean, I well, think that was in the conditions of you coming on the yeah, podcast. I you had to like. that waiver you signed? It's yeah. It's fine print at the bottom. You know, I don't remember a waiver, but like I forget things, you know. Endlessly praise the host. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I did okay. Oh, you did. Uh, no, like genuinely, I'm like really thankful to be here. I, um have been like really wanting to see people and like socialize with someone who's not my toddler. And this has been great. <laughs> so thank you for having me. Of course. It was really good to see you again. Cause it's been quite a while since I've seen you. I know. Yeah. It's good to see you. Yeah. <laughs> and you two listeners, if you, Mary Kelly's uh, brother-in-law yeah, we and have swam one. with Emily. You too can we, be on the have, podcast. We have an open brother, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Submit your applications to whiningabouthistory at gmail.com. Yes. <laughs> he likes beer and D&D. Right. Yeah, if that sounds you know, like if, a if you're party for you. Expert at blowing up bridges, you know, you'll definitely be. You'll, <laughs> you'll definitely, in. you'll definitely, you know, top candidate right there. I was gonna say, just copy Petra Herrera's resume, yep. and like you're right at the top of the stack right there. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Whining About Herstory. Like us on Facebook at Whining About Herstory, Instagram at W A H Pod, Twitter at W A H underscore Pod. Our website is Whining About Herstory, and our email, as I mentioned, is Whining About Herstory at Gmail where we would love to hear from you we also have a patreon where you can donate for as little as one dollar to get some extra content such as monthly videos and monthly herstory happenings where we just talk about random stuff in the past that involves women things that happened in herstory (gasps) shocking we also have a spread shirt shop where you could get some sweet sweet merch yeah so you can find that on our website i love it so much a spread shirt yeah what's a spread shirt it's like it's a website that hosts it. It's, it's like, like an Teespring online Etsy. Online I was like, did you shop. mean to say sweatshirt? No. Sweatshirt. <laughs> <laughs> Caitlin's just like, uh. That would have been embarrassing. Yeah. Caitlin's like, Kelly, I don't think you're saying your shop right. <laughs> how, much, how much wine have you had tonight? Well. <laughs> also, please rate us five stars wherever you listen. Leave us a lovely review. It would make our day and our month and our year. I mean, there's only like two weeks left in the year. <laughs> well, but you can start, make it. start yeah. us off in January real yeah. good. I was going to say, you have two weeks to make my year. Do it. <laughs> you know I need it. Yeah, we do. As always, thank you for listening to another episode of Whining About Herstory. I'm Emily. I'm Kelly. And I'm Caitlin. And have an empowered day, y'all. Bye! Bye.